His name is Heston Blumenthal. He is one of the most inquisitive and creative chefs on the planet, with a knowledge of food quite unlike anyone else. And now Heston is taking us on a journey to the centre of food, deep inside ingredients and dishes we all recognise to reveal the hidden secrets inside them and hopefully change how we all view cooking and eating forever. Hello Heston, nice to see you. How are you doing? There's a roaring fire behind you which feels very welcome. Actually, for the first time since we've been doing these podcasts, I can tell you that it is raining, not apples and pears, that's connected to what we're talking about, cats and dogs. In fact, my missus last night got an got a email from her car insurance company, I've never seen this before, saying do not drive in your car after five o'clock near San Remy because they're expecting 20 centimetres of rain in an hour. That's very, that's very considerate of the insurance company. Well, considerate, I think, <laughs> they don't want to pay out, I think. <laughs> so um, it, it is absolutely <laughs> bucketing it down here. The wind is blowing. Um, the trees are like spiralling around. It's, it, it's amazing. So I thought I'll take the opportunity to light a fire. Very nice. And we're also joined by James, our Fat Duck producer, to keep us on the right side of fact. Hello, James. We're deep in autumn over in Blighty too, aren't we? We are, and it's, it's cold and wet and rainy. But uh, it's great to see your faces. It's warming me up like a roaring fire. Oh, listen to that. James, you just put a smile on my face. And hopefully, Heston, today, for our journey to the centre of food, you've picked us a, a warming ingredient. What are we delving into today? Apples. Apples. Oh, that is a nice autumnal ingredient when you start thinking about crumbles and pies and all those kind of things. Many, yeah, many things, actually. I think about the apple a little bit like the sort of the unsung hero of the fruit world. He's a bit like the, the potato of the vegetable world. It's kind of the, the one that does most of the heavy lifting, but no one, it's not as, as showy as a pineapple or as, or as fancy as a strawberry. I think it's a jack of all trades and a master of quite a lot of them as well. Here's a question for both of you. You're stuck on a desert island. Now, obviously, you think pineapples and coconuts and, you know, palm trees, but this is um, an imaginary desert island. You have one fruit to live off. One fruit. I, I'm guessing this is leading towards apples, actually, <laughs> now you say it. <laughs> of all the ones to try, it'd probably be good, wouldn't it? Because it's versatile enough. You can, I eat one every day now, and it's, it's, I wouldn't eat a pineapple every day. No, you get, actually, that's a nice little segue, because there is a, um, there's a, there's a, a, a story about a shipwreck somewhere in, I think it was the Caribbean, a couple of hundred years ago. And the survivors ended up being marooned on an island and they ate pineapples. That was the only fruit they could eat. And there's an enzyme in pineapples called bromelain, which breaks down protein. And all their teeth fell out because it just ate their gums away. Now, don't have that problem with, uh, with apples, although there are some enzyme activity uh, related problems in the or challenges in the kitchen which we'll come on to later so in that respect yeah you i would prefer to be living off apples than pineapples on a desert island see this this is this is also quite an instructional podcast for people as well so for anyone out there who is considering being deserted on desert island avoid the pineapple it's not a good look apples all the way also have you ever heard of the saying a pineapple a day keeps the doctor away (laughs) Where does that? Why? Why? Why is it an apple a day keeps the doctor away? I've never understood. There's plenty of other fruit out there. Does it contain a, a particularly good range of vitamins in it, or is it just a, I, I, quite a common thing to have all year round? James think? might and probably will correct me, but I seem to remember there's something to do with there's various 
theories on this, and one of them is salicylic acid. And there's an acid in apples and pears, and it aids digestion. And in northern France, they have, you have a digestive called the true normand, like the real normal Normandy. And after dinner, you have, it's like a brandy made with uh, Calvados or the one made with pears. And you knock back a, a, a glass of this, and I think it frees up your stomach to be able to consume more food. And it's, it's called a true normand, very classical French. And that's why it's called digestif. Oh, I see. So a digestive is the idea was that you could eat more. I always thought it was just to help stuff you'd already have. But, well, both. I was going to say, from, a, from, from what I've searched, there doesn't seem to be a definitive um, origin for this, this proverb. I mean, the longer version is eat an apple on going to bed and you'll keep the doctor from earning his bread, which I think might originate. You know, it's certainly recorded in Wales about 140 years ago. But technically speaking, I don't know whether there's any medical evidence to suggest that apples do keep the doctor away in any great number I, I think if you believe something's going to keep the doctor away it's like vitamin C if you believe it's going to then it stands more chance of keeping the doctor away yeah and that's a very good point and there's something about the apple as well just in terms of its uh, sort of iconography and in, in in fairy tales and all those things that the look of it is particularly alluring if you think about the, the beautiful red apple although i was in the shop the other day just marveling at the range of colors and shapes of apples amazing you know, it's such a wide range well it, actually if you look at look at uh, folklore and storytelling look at adam and eve adam and eve the, yeah, a- the apple and jay do you remember when we made the fairy tale feast was it i do indeed snow do white indeed. yeah didn't we make some kind of sugar we made blown apple? a sugar blown apple and i remember um, who was the producer? We went to a glass blowing factory, and and he was very naff naff double entendres because they called they called the furnace where you put the the, the, the metal rod with the glass in the middle to, to burn melt the glass. Could they called it the glory hole? So he loved that idea that oh this this is the glory hole. But we made an apple that was green on one side. It, it was blown sugar, so sugar you can blow sugar just like you can blow glass. And we made a blown sugar apple that was green on one side and red on the other. And I seem to remember connecting to Snow White that there was a choice. You eat the green or you eat the red. And and you have to take the risk. One side leads to a happy ending and the other side leads to a not so happy ending. And we made a, a parfait from venison liver because there was the deer in the forest. And then we put it in a, uh, in a cupboard on the wall, on the, in, um, on the set. Do you remember, made an edible glass, uh, edible mirror, as you do. That thing, that, that was mirror, mirror, wasn't it? It was mirror, mirror on the wall. And, and your poor chefs, I remember filming them, trying to fill up those incredibly delicate apples with the parfait, because to be edible, they needed to be really thin, didn't they? Because sugar sculpting yeah. has to be <clears> thin, otherwise yeah. it's just unpalatable. But it just, they kept shattering. And you had to fill it last minute because otherwise the moisture would then soften the sugar. Oh, yes, because suddenly we had all our guests waiting behind the door and desperately chefs putting these things yeah. behind them. We're like, come on, hurry up, hurry I up. Think we, timings were so tight on We might shows. have suggested a toilet break, a comfort break, <laughs> <laughs> while we can refill the cupboard because they were filling it behind the mirror. And then we gave them a hammer to smash the mirror and then take out the apple from from uh, from inside the mirror. So this this meta- and it was edible glass in the mirror as well, wasn't it? Yeah. 
So it does, it, it does seem to be the, one of the main fruits that's been used for, you know, an, an iconic connection with, with um, temptation, safety or danger. You know, it has, has, it has, they, it has a massive uh, tradition and story behind it. I think they're amazing. Now, I'm just going to pause there and ask, have you ever wondered what would happen if you had to order an apple crumble in a different country? Yes, this is a concern lots of us have, but luckily, help is on the way. Have you always been in love with French, Spanish, German, Italian culture, but didn't have the time to attend language courses? Well, there is a company called Babbel who are here to help. It's a clear and simple interface that guides you through your learning journey in a funny and smooth way. It's designed to get you quickly speaking a new language within weeks with daily 10 to 15 minute lessons. Babbel teaches real-life conversations you learn through interactive dialogues. Speech recognition technology helps to improve your pronunciation and your accent. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian and German, so you can order a tartatan in any language you like. The teaching method has been proven to be effective across multiple studies. Babbel is available as an app or online, and your progress will be synced across all your devices. Right now, the great news is Babbel is offering all our listeners six months free with a purchase of a six-month subscription with the promo code HESTON, H-E-S-T-O-N. Go to babbel.co.uk forward slash play and use the promo code HESTON on your six-month subscription and you'll get another six months completely free. That's babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot co.uk forward slash play and promo code is HESTON, H-E-S-T-O-N. Right, back to the apples. So talk to me about your culinary journey with these. When you, you know, early on in your career or, or throughout it, did you ever do any things where you went down one of your pathways of exploration with apples? Was there anything you were fascinated with when it came to apples? Yeah, several things. Uh, when, my, when I first um, fell down my rabbit hole, so to speak, in, in love with French gastronomy, one of the, I, I went through a period of actually researching cooking trying, testing and tasting very famous classical and regional French dishes. And tartatan is one of the most famous apple dishes in France. And the story, um, the story goes, and James is here to back me up in case I miss this one up as well, that the Tatan sisters, I think they're in the Loire Valley, had a bistro or restaurant or brasserie and they were making apple tart or apple pie. And maybe one of them got distracted. Her mind was on other things and forgot to put the pastry down first. So made it upside down. So basically put the sugar, sugar and the butter and the apples and then thought, oh God, I've forgotten the pastry. So I'll put the pastry on top. But then if you serve it, in, you need to take it out the pan. You need to turn it upside down. And that apparently is the birth of Tartatan, named after the Tatan sisters. James, please. That's wonderful. That's 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 the story. I mean, nobody really knows why she <clears throat> made the tart upside down. I mean, I think Heston's suggestion is as good as any I've I've read. But uh, yeah, that's that's where it is. I mean, it's in a town called La Motte Beuvron, which uh, is in the Loire. I um, it's still there today, Hotel Tatan. If you oh, there is a Hotel Tatan. Stop off and buy one. Yeah, yeah. But the great thing is, you know, does it really matter? I've just imagined that she had a busy morning got distracted uh, and you know it's like taking the wrong door keys or something she just put things and she just put them in the wrong order now if it's true or not 
if it's it doesn't really matter the imagination actually helps build the sort of story around this iconic dish and in fact for me a tart tatan when it comes out well is a thing to behold if you uh, it involves puff pastry so puff pastry in itself is is a very complex fairly ambitious thing to make in the kitchen however when it comes to tart tatan you can buy if you buy a good quality all butter puff pastry from the supermarket it's fine so let's call puff pastry one ingredient then you've got apples butter sugar now yes you can add vanilla and you can add um, star anise and ginger and you know you can add all sorts of flavorings to it but at its basic level it is sugar butter apples and pastry so while we're on this i'll just if you if you if you're you want me to i can segue into my little tips for a tart tatan which are quite hard it's much yeah, easier I've, to i've seen chefs struggle with this as well yeah and, and i'm fascinated by this so that, so here is my recipe for potentially an incredible tart tatan first you need apples and i would always use apples that are crunchy crispy and dense Coxes, in the UK, Coxes apples work very well. Brayburns work very well. But you want, you know when, some, when you, you bite into an apple and it's got that really crispy, crunchy uh, freshness to it. That's the sort of apple that works well in a tatan. So, peel the apples. You peel them with the peeler. Then you've got the stem and the root of the apple. Using an old, you can use a little paring knife, but an old-fashioned potato peeler that has a little pointy, curvy thing at the end. Stick that in the 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 stem of the apple, just just around the stem, and then turn it. So you're removing a little conical shape of apple that takes the stem of the stalk of the apple out with it, and then you do the other side for the for the root or the yeah the root of the apple. So then cut your peeled apple in half. And then do the same thing with this potato peeler or if you've got a melon ball, just scoop out the core. So you're removing the tough core and the seeds. You don't have to do, you don't have to remove the core and the seeds, but it means you'll have, uh, you, if you don't remove them, you'll have these sort of crunchy bits at the end when you cook the tatan. So remove them. So you've got these halves of apple. You've got your pan uh, spread with butter, sprinkled with sugar. Then put the apples rounded side down into the pan. Now, if you want to, you can trim the sides of the apple to so you squeeze more of these apple halves in the pan. So you want them sort of touching each other, but there will be, if you, if, you, if you can sort of picture what I'm saying, you've got one apple in the middle, and then you put them around the outside and around the outside, depending, you can play around with this and depending on the size of the pan. Then you put the pan on the heat. Now, this is the absolute critical most important part for me for the tatan you put it on a medium heat and then what happens is the butter starts to melt and butter contains water and apples contain water and there's sugar in apples and there's also sugar that you sprinkle onto the butter so if you oh it might take there's not a fixed time but let's say 20 odd minutes give or take 10 minutes what you'll see is that the, the, the butter and the sugar and the water in the butter and the apples will all, and the apple juices will all mix and start bubbling up. 
and then gradually though but that color of that will start to go lightly golden brown and a bit darker golden brown and just keep an eye on the pan don't have the heat too if it's too cold you won't have enough bubbling up if it's too hot you might start to burn it in some places so when you see if you see one part of your pan getting a bit brown more quicker than the others just twist the pan a bit so you just remove that the, 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 the part of the, the sugared mix with the apple juices that's coloring a bit faster than the others, just remove it off the heat a bit. So you just play around with that. While that's happening, if you bought your puff pastry from the supermarket, you'll have sheets of puff pastry. Now, I made this the other day in, here in France and I was surprised I bought puff pastry from the local supermarket and it was cut out in a circle for me, so it was, it was perfect. Um, so if, you've, if you open your packet of puff pastry and it's in a square, cut, just, just trim it into a circle that's about a centimetre to two centimetres bigger than the pan's diameter. Really, really lightly dust it in flour. It probably doesn't, if it's, if it's, not, if it's cold enough, you probably won't need flour. But then crimp the edges of the pastry. So fold, like your, imagine a circular picture frame. So using the pastry, you're folding the edges of the pastry over itself, so you're making a border, like a, like a pizza border. You're making that round the edge of the pastry. Then when your apples, when you've got to a, you keep smelling them because you don't want any burnt smell at all. But you want the caramel to be fairly dark brown. That's a tricky balance, right? Isn't the, it? Yeah, that's a tricky, yes. So, so err on the side of a bit under. Until you've, if you've done this a few times, you'll get to know. But err on the side of, 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 of caution. Also, while those apples are cooking, have your oven on. Set it to about 180 degrees. When the apples, you'll see the apples would have shrunk and cooked a bit. The, the caramel sauce will be an apple-flavoured buttery caramel sauce. It should smell wonderful. Remove, take the pan off the heat. And, and while it's still hot... Just be careful of your fingers. Lay the pastry on top of the of the pan, and then I would use usually like the back of a teaspoon or dessert spoon or the handle of a spoon. You want to try and tuck the pastry underneath the apples instead of just layering it on the top. It might look a bit weird because you might think you've got too much space between the edge of the pastry and the and, and the edge of the pan. But trust me on this. Tuck it under because what that does is the apples will then weight the pastry down while it's cooking. And you'll end up with this beautiful crust, this sort of crystallized, sugary, caramelized puff pastry crust, which will just crack like glass in your mouth. Beautiful. So you do that. Then just before you put it in the oven, take a knife and make lots of slits through the pastry with a knife. You can be quite clumsy about this. You need to make those openings because you need to let the steam come out of the pastry while it's cooking. And then pop it in the oven and just keep an eye on it. Really, um, it'll need to be in there long enough to cook the pastry. You might want, and this is where you just have to. This is what I love about this dish. You have to make adjustments while you're cooking the apples in the sugar and butter, and you'll have to maybe make adjustments in the oven. Maybe twist the pan handle a bit, or maybe reduce the temperature a little bit. Just, just see how it's doing. Once you think it's done, I mean, you basically take it as far as you can without burning it. But please. If you do burn, <laughs> you burn it. There's always the the more you push it, the greater the risk of actually leaving it in too long. Then take it out. Please use a cloth. Remember, the handle of the pan is boiling hot, and do not 
use a damp cloth. If you have a tea towel that's remotely damp, it will burn your hands almost more painfully than picking up that burning hot handle without a cloth. Never, this is an important piece of advice, never use a damp tea towel to pick anything up hot. Transfer the heat and you'll get steam burn as well. So make sure you, on a positive note, make sure the cloth is nice and dry. Take it out. And then, this is a bit like flipping a pancake. You flip it onto a plate, heat resistant plate, but put a cloth over your wrists. Because you're going to have the plate in one hand and the pan in the other. Put the plate on to, upside down on top of the pan and then with confidence, with your wrist protected, just in case, you shouldn't need it, but just in case, make sure the plate's big enough, flip it, give it a bit of a shake, both hands, and you'll hear this really pleasing plop. And when you remove the plate, you'll have a thing of beauty. Golden, caramelized, juicy, buttery, sugary toffee, just beautiful. Serve that with just, I mean, cream creme fraiche or something like that it is a thing of beauty you have to, you have to stop now because I, I won't be able to speak because my mouth's really salivating really <laughs> badly listening to this this is oh i could murder that right now it sounds like a slightly uh, ver overly verbalized recipe but it's partly why i love it because it's got few ingredients as i said if you buy the pastry for the supermarket there's only pastry apples butter sugar but it's all about just a bit of love, care, attention and awareness. And after probably after three times of making this, you'll get a complete understanding of actually, you know, maybe that was a bit hot. Let's turn that down a bit. Let's, you know, let's move that over here. And that I think is engages you in, in the cooking and you're, you're, you're rewarded with, uh, for me, one of the great desserts. Oh, that's lovely. But also I imagine I was just, you know, a bit of, bit of amateur Googling. Apparently there's 2,700 different varieties of apple in Britain and 7,000 worldwide. Yeah. And I know this was something that would, would have driven you mad when you were doing these things, is trying to discover what the differences are between them and the, and the varieties and the effects they have on them. So all your, your tartatans potentially have got 2,700 or up to 7,000 different tastes and flavours they could have within them. Yeah, uh, that's why I said just take an apple that feels really... I don't know what a supermarket would do if you went in and just took a bite out of every apple. <laughs> but, but that's something apple you would really... do. I can imagine you doing that. <laughs> yeah. That's why when you used to have lunch with you, it was a nightmare because you'd always say, oh, when we're on location, was, oh, I don't really want anything, I don't really want anything. And then you'd just have a bite of everyone's lunch. You'd always come over to my sandwich, you can have a bit of that. I was like, yeah, and you didn't want the, you didn't want the bread, so you'd put the bread to one side, just eat the middle. I was like, great, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Jay. Yeah. I know, I know. Play this game. Let's put things Diva. in my Diva mouth and see on what happens. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the amount of I went to I went to an apple farm in Kent once. It was the second largest in the world, and they had two thousand three hundred varieties of apple on this one farm, one orchard. Wow! I mean, it was I'm, huge. I think that's that's the national collection of, of apples. I think if it's for them, where I'm thinking of, they they they, they keep our you know collection of, of varieties that are of whether they be all indigenous or, or international for the uk Ex yeah, exactly so and i think I, people can visit can't they i think they were usurped or bought by somewhere in russia that it was the biggest or something but yes you can go you go and visit 
It's like an outdoor museum. It's a it's a an apple orchard museum. That sounds that sounds brilliant. Just go around scrump. Is it scrumping? Do you remember scrumping where you nick apples from people's orchards? I imagine that's frowned upon now in that oh, place. Oh, scrumping! That's, that's a nice I wonder if that's that. where scrumptious comes from. James, no, it's I'm gonna have scrumpy. A look. Scrumpy is cider. Scrumping is, is you can tell yeah, from scrumpy Somerset. is cider. Scrumping is scrumping apple, is nicking is apple apples. poaching. I wonder if truly scrumptious is connected to scrumping, or I don't know. Heston, what is that noise in the background? It is absolutely chucking it down here. I mean, I think if I had a bucket of water and threw it at the windows, I don't think I could make more noise. It is chucking it. There you go. See, those French insurance companies know what they're talking about, (laughs) don't they? Wow. I remember now we'd put a dish on the Heinz head, came across a a tradition in Somerset, talking about scrumping and things like that, called wassailing, W-A-S-S-A-I-L-I-N-G. And it was an old an ancient apple ceremony i think which meant bashing a tree under a full moon and dancing around it or something james can you can you remember sounds like my childhood growing up in somerset yeah pretty much that's what we did there's no tv yeah just a t- <laughs> just i mean just a, a quick search obviously it's a very ancient custom that's that's not so popular today but yes it's it's it comes to an anglo-saxon phrase west hail which means good health and originally the wassail was a drink made of mulled ale, curdled cream, roasted apples, eggs, cloves, ginger, nutmeg and sugar. What was the dish you made out of that? What was the dish you made out of that idea then? It, it looks like an apple with a, with a pampadu sort of sweet sugary toast and a kind of apple uh, oh, half filled with apple soup with little pips of pine nut inside, uh, a red apple skin spray and so you spray it. So what you're presented with is something that looks and resembles like a nice rusty the red apple with splotches of green and inside I can only imagine because I've not been lucky enough to try this dish because it's not on my Heinz head menu at the moment which might be wise to change that Um, there's a little spoon dipping into it where clearly there's something wonderful inside and we I remember now I've seen the photo I remember putting the stickers on there yes 2013 clearly they're dated on that picture yeah are they ed- so, edible stickers, I'm guessing, is probably what they were? Yeah. Yeah, of course. That's probably a <laughs> recipe for those as well. And the, and the toast that's served <laughs> with it, which looks like a, the log, because it was, there was some wood chopping involved in the recipe. Yeah, so there's, it's, it's a hazelnut praline uh, with slices of brioche and, again, more apples and caster sugar and butter. God, that sounds delicious. We'll try and put a picture of that up on the, um, the uh, Heston's podcast Instagram, because that mm. looks an amazing dish. Apples are incredibly, I think that, a bit like potatoes they're incredibly versatile so i've just talked about tatam but whether it's an apple puree you can put them in ve- just add a little bit of sugar and acidity into vegetable juices and they're wonderful caramelized also i do ha- i love apple sauce with with roast pork but dried apples are wonderful if for me i had this obsession you asked me earlier about um my journey with apples were there any things i got slightly obsessed about so apple dried apples I wanted uh, to have that feeling I mentioned with the tatan, when you bite into a crisp apple, it's crisp and it's crunchy, it's very sweet, it's a bit bitter, it's sour, the malic acid also in apples is a really pleasing acid, it's, it's really pleasing on the tongue, um, as opposed to some of the citric acids which can be quite, you know, make your face scrunch up. Malic acid, which is the, apple, the acid in, in, in apples, can be really pleasing and soft. So. 
how do I capture all this in an apple and keep it green? And then in this process, I learned about why apples brown. Here yeah, when you slice an apple, if you leave it out, it goes brown. And it is a combination of ox oxidizing, so exposure to oxygen, and also enzyme activity. So imagine when you, there are loads of enzymes in apples, as there are in lots of foods. When you slice through an apple, the knife cuts through the enzymes at a cellular level and spreads the enzymes over the surface of the apple, if that makes sense. So the knife is acting like an exposure. It's like bursting the bubbles. And then when that bubble bursts, it's, it's on the knife, side of the knife. And then you're spreading that across the face of the apple. So you're spreading those enzymes. So in order to, to, to stop that activity, acidity is very beneficial. You can use certain other enzymes, like some enzymes in pineapple, to, 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 to slow it down. But you put acid in, it also affects enzyme activity. Also salt. So salt can have the same effect to keeping the apple green. So if you slice your apples, so for um, dry, this is dried apples, I ended up with these beautiful dried apples wafer thin the skin is really um, green vibrant imagine a, um, a granny smith's apple the skin stays as green as the granny smith's in its raw state so the idea here is to make a, a liquid that you immediately put the sliced apples into which stops the enzyme damage and the oxidation 300 grams of water 300 grams of refined sugar refined caster sugar, uh, five grams of salt, just normal table salt, fine salt is fine, uh, 50 grams of lemon juice. So what you do is you put the water, the sugar, uh, and the salt into a pan and bring it to the boil, bring the water to the boil. And then as soon as it comes to the boil, take it off the heat and leave it to cool. You don't want it to be hot, otherwise you'll cook the apple. Now, this is the really key thing leave the water until it's just under 40 degrees so it really is beneficial to have a a probe so ideally 39 degrees so i'm giving this recipe as a result of spending thousands of hours at looking at temperatures for this <laughs> so if anyone can be bothered and they happen to have a probe have a go because it's actually quite simple if you've got the right kit take it off the heat let it cool a bit then add the lemon juice and then you can let it cool completely now core the apple and then slice it into one millimeter slices so if you've got a mandolin it would be of great help otherwise you can try your knife skills but just be very careful of your fingers um, and remember that the don't beat yourself up if it's not a millimeter or if it's a bit uneven but you you know you can play around with different thicknesses and how they affect the textures and the end result so you then basically put the slices in the syrup and then leave them for 24 hours and then basically you put them in the oven and dry them at 45 degrees I don't know if your oven goes that low if you've got a dehydrator which I think a lot of enthusiastic cooks have now a dryer it's 45 degrees you don't have to do it at 45 if your oven goes to 50 or 60 then just stick it at 50 or 60 but that 45 degree temperature is key if you want this amazing thin crisp vibrant green skinned dried apple slice so i ha having said it, this is nice and simple i think i've made dried apples 
<laughs> to something really complicated. I've done it again, haven't I? I've done it again. I've You've taken something again. really He's simple. You've only gone and done it again. Oh, made it really complicated. I apologise. <laughs> but you've done it so we don't have to. <laughs> yes. I talked about that although a tartatan has a, only a few ingredients, it does need a lot of attention. But if you make something like a crumble, which is a, it's a great British dish, is a, a crumble, love it. Um, you make an apple compote. And that's really simple. You, just, you, you peel and core your apples, chop them up and put them in a pan. You've got butter and sugar. You can put vanilla and cinnamon. My mum used to make an apple pie, actually. I just remembered this, which was a recipe from, I think there was a chef in the Lake District called John Tovey. And she, she, she just great, um, great and sliced apples, lots of lemon juice, cinnamon and clove and a bit of sugar, demerara sugar. Put them in a glass... Uh, a round glass oven um, tray or bowl. And do you remember you know, those the people don't use them anymore? It was a glass. It was like when you were going to make a tart, you put in the middle of the of the bowl like a, a funnel, and then you lay the pastry over the top, so that middle funnel bit lets lets it breathe, and then put it in the oven. And it was my mum's apple pie, and it was the very lemony clove cinnamon. Uh, mixture that that reminds me of my childhood but you've made your compote the compote keeps in the fridge it keeps in the freezer really well and then to make a crumble in fact there's a great many ways of making crumbles but one I love is is based on the biscuit you know why biscuits called biscuit no because it comes from um, French by qui b qui b i c u i t b qui means twice cooked so you make like a shortbread biscuit with lots of butter, then roll it out, bake it. So butter, sugar, if you want lemon zest and vanilla in there and flour, bake it. And then you bake it in a sheet. Then you take that and you, you break it up, put it back into your, put it in your mixer with a bit of cold butter. And then break it all up into its crumbly bit and put it in the oven again. And, and, and if, if you think you want it breaking up more, just pull the tray out, break up a bit more, put it back in again. And then you've got your crumble mix and you can put, nut, you can put nuts in there. You can put all sorts of other things on the, on the crumble topping. But it's lovely. And then maybe apple and, uh, apple and blackberry, apple and raspberry, apple, apple and... I mean, it's, the list goes on and on and on. But you always bake your crumble topping on your apples. You don't do it separately like some highfalutin types do. Highfalutin, <laughs> yeah. Sprinkle it over. Yeah, you break, you you break, you sprinkle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know of any highfalutin. A bit like the Tatan sisters gone wrong. Turn it upside down. They're probably <laughs> those rebel apple crumble cookers. There probably is an upside down crumble, but um, crumble is uh, very British, and I love it. Also, a bit of dollop of vanilla ice cream on the top and i like the way that the, the crumble topping is you have to be careful because the fruit underneath can be like napalm and those bubbly bits the bubbly sugary syrupy bits that come up through the crumble but you put the ice cream on top and it just it shows a hint of melting under the under the warm crumble but it hasn't yet met the napalm <laughs> fruit underneath so when you start to cut through this you got this wonderful contrast of texture from the from the from the unfrozen ice cream to the custard that's that, that has been melted by the napalm fruit 
this is easily the hungriest I've ever been after one of our podcasts. <laughs> with the with the rain hammering on your window, and all these talk of just crumbles and tartans and pies and oh, this is uh, yeah, warming, warming to the soul is probably the best way to think about apples. I'd say. Yeah, I can't disagree with that at all. Wonderful. Well, on that note, Heston, we have reached time up i'm afraid on our apple deep dive but i really appreciate it. that was a just a lovely warming very sort of quintessentially autumn kind of uh, episode and information there which i really appreciated um, but all that's left to say today unfortunately is thank you and goodbye heston goodbye jay goodbye james and actually i think i made myself hungry as well <laughs>